Welcome to the Neighborhood Realtor Podcast with me, your host, Matt Muscat. This is a podcast for real estate industry professionals who are doers. Each episode will feature an interview with a top producer or someone who's doing things differently in an exciting way. For those who already know me or have read my books or blogs, my brand of marketing is tangible and repeatable because smart salespeople don't need to reinvent the wheel. My promise to you is that in each episode, you'll leave with one tangible idea that you can take to the bank. I'm really excited to be chatting with someone who I've met in real life. So many of my guests are people that I get connected to via email, but I was at a conference in Chicago a couple of weeks ago and met this incredible loan officer with a great story from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So John Muhammad, welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So John, the, the number one reason I wanted to have you, aside from the fact that we had a great conversation in person, and I think I think we we would generally generally be good drinking buddies if we lived close to each other. Yeah. Um, is you told me a story about how you've been you've been in lending, you've been in banking for a really long time, but you know a couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago, you started over cold turkey in a brand new state. You moved yeah. your family, started a new business. Uh, same type of business, but in mortgages or in real estate, you're really starting new. So you know the most of the listeners on our show are realtors, and it's really hard for realtors to move. But you did it, and you did it well. So I want to hear about that story today. So why don't you walk us through the backstory of how long you've been in the business, and walk us through that transition and how you, what made you do it, and how you did it successfully? Yeah, thanks, Matt. I think. Um... You know, it's a very interesting story as I look back on it myself. But uh, 2001, um, as we all know, 9-11 happened, horrible time. I had been um, um, in call center management for a large corporate uh, travel firm. And um, and they consolidated um, call centers. I'm from uh, Missouri, from the St. Louis area. And so um, City Mortgage called our HR person and said, hey, we're looking for great salespeople. Um, we'll pay them a $28,000 base and teach them how to do mortgages and and uh, they can make a living. And I'm like, you know, they asked me about it. I said, hey, I'm, I, I'd love to. I'd love sales, right? And so that's how I got into the mortgage business in 2002. Um, I was a loan officer for a couple of years. I managed the sales team for a couple of years. And then around 07, 08, I got into business development and represented uh, Citibank throughout um, the U.S. in terms of community lending and community outreach. So I had, um, you know, worked with NAREP, uh, ARIA, NAREP, um, VAREP, all these different organizations. And so um, I did that for eight, six, seven years, I think it was. And then 2014, I'm like, hey, I'd rather start being a loan officer again and and being a practitioner instead of doing business development. And uh, I moved to Dallas in 2016, excuse me, in 2014. And um, after 14 years of service in city, um, I uh, was laid off, right? And and my job was, was, uh, was sort of terminated. And I started back and I thought all these folks that I knew in the past would immediately just start doing business with me, right? And man, it just wasn't the case. And I had to hit the ground running um, in 2016 and, and I built a business um, last year, I did 37 million in production, helped over 125 families, um, you know, similar numbers this year. 
So a couple things that I really want to expound on for people listening out there. There's a commonality that the more of these interviews I do, the more I'm seeing. And it's people started in the grittiest jobs in the real estate mortgage industry. Um, the people that started in those jobs are the most successful today. So you started in a mortgage call center back in like the the wild west times of mortgages. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you could pretty much pick up the phone and call anyone. And when when we think about what we're telling salespeople to do today, it's have more activity, make more phone calls, be less scared. So how, what kind of things did you learn working in that call center that you think you're still using today in your, in your job as a professional uh, salesperson? It's you, you keep the same work ethic. When you work in a call center um, as a loan officer, though you make real good money, um, you can when the volume's up, but you have to be regimented. You have to be on a schedule, right? If you're taking calls, if your call time is nine to eleven, you got to be available and you got to make calls, right? That's how you build your business. So the approach doesn't necessarily change. You know, it, it certainly taught me how to be on the phone, how you know to continue to make calls. You know, to to organize yourself in a way that you can make as many calls as you can in a day. But it's that work ethic because when you do inside sales, it's all about the number of loans. Like my average closings were 20 to 30 a month, right? And then on this side of the fence and outside sales, if I close 10 loans, if I close 15, I'm doing great. I'm like having the best month ever, right? So, you know, you learn how to keep that work ethic um, and you just talk and help so many people. It's a, it's a different world. Well, I love that. And you know, one of the other pieces like, you have to remember when you're working these entry-level jobs in the real estate and mortgage industry, the key really is that you're working for someone else yeah. and they are setting your schedule and they're telling you what to do. And in essence, they're telling you who to call. So the missing link, once you transition into, into actual sales, commission sales, is you have to be that, that manager for yourself yeah. who is setting how many calls you need to make who's going to set what you need to say and who you need to call. And so if you can simply be your own manager and set those tasks, you can be really successful, but it really takes that regimented um, mindset that I think you mentioned. So I hold myself accountable to my in-office times as I do. I feel like if I, if I say I'm going to be in the office at 8.30, if I'm in at 8.35, I feel late, but no one makes my schedule. I make my own schedule. Right. You know? Yeah. So when you, when you, the second thing you mentioned that I really wanted to expound on is you mentioned so you moved to Dallas you, um, for your family and you thought that you were going to have some business from some of these national groups that you'd been a big deal with for all these years and it didn't happen. So when that didn't work, what, what activities did you do to then grow your business in a brand new real estate market? Man, I, you know, what I did was I got Im involved with coaching and I heard some things that, that um, I took heed to. Number one, um, well, not necessarily in this order, but I started doing open houses every weekend. I love and that. I committed to doing four open houses on Saturday at, at a minimum and four on Sunday. I would take a basket. It had uh, baked chips. I didn't really want to spend money on Fiji at the time, uh, but I get some Aquafina water, right? Some healthy snacks. And took my wife, like my wife and I went out and we met realtors um, throughout this open house um, uh, marketing effort that I had. I would take flyers and business cards and just offer the realtors who were sitting in open houses, you know, something refreshing. 
And I have at least six realtors from 2016 when I did this consistently that I still work with today. It's consistency, right? So we we interviewed a realtor about a year ago on the show, and she had zero business in a new city. And she did four open houses every weekend day for a year and did $50 million in sales last year. Whether you are a realtor, a lender, or some other industry professional, open houses are where the people are at. Like there's a house for sale. People are going to go there to see it. All you have to do is be there in a consistent way, as long as it's is it's a house that fits the community that you're trying to serve, et cetera. So I love that. So open houses were number one. What else? What else do you got? Um, happy hours. Any any. Room. Are you telling me that drinking can lead to business? <laughs> yeah. I should be closing way more than I'm closing. <laughs> yeah. I, any event that I knew of, I was there. Right. I I would search. Um, uh, what is it called? Um, the, the system that you you put all of the events on, uh, Eventbrite. Yeah. I would look at <clears throat> Eventbrite. I would, you know, look at the internet um, and try to figure out where people are gathered. And I would go to those events. I would do at least three to four a week. I wanted to be everywhere. I um, haven't heard that. This is amazing. I haven't heard that strategy. So there's all the, this is such a great idea. There's all these websites like Eventbrite, like Meetup. There's events on Facebook. There's the probably the Chamber of Commerce has events listed. If you simply go to those types of places in your community, find out what events are happening. Most of those events, a lot of them are free and they just want people to show up. So you show up dressed up, you're professional, et cetera, you're a friendly guy. If you have five conversations at five different events a week, that's 25 more people that you can add to your database that week. And that that's absolutely amazing. No matter what type of sales you're in, that's a strategy that anyone at really any budget level can do. Not to mention some of these events have free drinks. So that doesn't suck either if you're new in your career. But I mean, there's so many ways that you could do that. A tip that another realtor gave me one time was when you show up to these events, have, have something on your person that stands out a little bit that someone will want to talk to you about, right? So if you're, if you're a lady, have a really cool, not necessarily expensive, but really cool looking handbag or have have your hair in a cool way, have some glasses. I always wear my blue glasses when I'm interviewing because it's my calling card. But like, if you're a guy, like, can you have a fun blazer on? Can you have a cool watch on? Like, what can you do that might be a conversation starter so that someone else will come up to you and talk? Down, right? Turn your head upside down. Do do something. I, I yeah. um, believe in that. And I, and I believe in scouring Facebook for information. Um. You know, I heard something recently, someone said life is an open book test. And I think that there's so much information out there that it's an open, it's like an open book. Yeah. You don't have to try to figure it out. It's out there. Um, something else that I did is I started uh, friending as many realtors as I could, right, on Facebook. And I turned down anyone who wasn't in real estate. And I can tell you to this day, Facebook recommends nothing but people in the real estate industry as potential friends. And um, and so once you have that database, whether you're a loan officer or a realtor, once you have enough people, like I have 4,000 something friends on Facebook. And so if I post a video, uh, as I do every day, it's going to get recognized. And so I started building referral sources through my posts. And um, and so, you know, to this day, I don't have to prospect as much because people are coming to me based on what they see online or from experiences with other realtors. They'll I love out. that. 
And so this is a really good one I get all the time. You know, realtors will say like, hey, I don't want to add other realtors on Facebook or on social media. And it's really funny to me because the realtor who we had on the show two weeks ago, half of his business is now coming from other realtors referring him. And so I think, you know, agents out there could use this strategy. I mean, obviously for a lender to add realtors, it makes a lot of sense. But if you're the realtor, think number one, who are the people in different, what are the different professions out there that could refer you well, right? Is it divorce attorneys? Is it something else? And how can you go after them on social? What groups could you join that they're a part of? And number two, who are the agents in other markets? Like who are the top producing agents in 20 other markets around the country? Can you add them, connect with them so that when they start seeing your stuff, they can start referring you when they have clients moving to you. I think in this market we're in right now, I just heard that something like 50%, and I have no idea if this is true, but I think it sounds true. So I'm going to say it. Something like 50% of the actual deals that happen this December are going to be people moving from one area to another, like from one totally different area to another due to job relocation. Because yeah. when interest rates are high and when there's volatility in the market and people are scared, that, that matters for people that are moving from like, you know, one block away to another block away for one extra bedroom. But for people who are moving for their job, it's not as big of a deal. Um, so I think you got to look for some of those referral opportunities on social because it could really lead to some business, especially in this market. And now a message from our sponsors. The Neighborhood Realtor is made possible by the generous support of Treadstone Funding and Neighborhood Loans. With locations all over the U.S., Neighborhood Loans believes in doing mortgages better, faster, smarter, and creating personal relationships with their clients and realtors. I, you to, so I know there's a common saying that what got you there isn't always what gets you there. And you are someone who's really evolved your marketing and your activities to not only suit the growth you've experienced, but also to suit your family, your lifestyle, and your hobbies. So you mentioned to me that in addition to being a lender, you're, you're basically the stand-up comedian. You're the funniest real estate professional in the room. Tell, tell everybody about the event you just did, uh, because I think it's a really unique way to kind of go deeper with the closest people in your sphere. Yeah, absolutely. So I have always loved comedy. I've always, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of the things I do. My wife and I were at a comedy show this past weekend. Met Tommy Davidson, who is a you know just a fantastic comedian. Um, but you know, I had the idea to have been on my bucket list to do stand-up. And I'd always thought that maybe I would do it on an open mic type of a situation. But man, I'm a I'm a grandiose type of guy. I thought that would be just too easy. So what we did is we went to the Arlington Improv here in the Dallas Fort Worth area and we negotiated a deal and rented out the whole uh, Arlington Improv, 250 seats. I got a professional comedian and eight other real estate professionals, and we had a comedy show. And I did a 10 or 15 minute set and <clears throat> and talked and said things that um, that I think people are a little surprised about. But it was uh, I actually got some folks who stood up and clapped, and it was fantastic. It was quite uh, an experience. A lot of people said you should continue to do comedy. So. Um, hey man, I'm I'm gonna try it again in February. Well, okay. I mean, there's a couple things here. So obviously, you're into comedy. You did it. It went well. Not everybody out there is is a comedian. I, I actually wanted to be a, a comedy writer when I was a kid. Uh, that didn't happen because real estate, I think, pays better, and that's that's what drew me in. But um, I think for everyone out there, think about what you're good at, what your passions are. How can you do an event catered around your passions, right? 
Like if your passion is cooking, it's obvious. Cook for your people. But when you relay your passions in parlay your passions into your business, it makes you a little bit more vulnerable and it gives people a, a way to get to know you better on something else. Like, like John the lender, whatever, you're one more lender in Texas. There's probably 10,000 of you. Like that's not very memorable, right? But John the comedian lender, that's, I mean, I don't know any comedian lenders in the country right now. I know a lot of lenders who think they're comedians and realtors who think that they're funny, yeah. but not, not as much who actually get up on stage and do it. So I think to like have all of your closest, you know, business relationships to an event where they can see that other side of you is hugely impactful. And I would really challenge everybody listening right now to think about what your passions are, what you're really into, what some of your bucket list items are, and think, how can I involve all these people that I'd love to get more business from, that I'd love to thank for supporting me? How can I involve them in my passion? Yeah. And I I, I want to kind of expound on that. Yeah. It was packed. We sold it out. A lot of folks that I did not know because there were eight other participants came out. It led to me doing um, a seminar with a realtor, and it le definitely led to new realtor relationships for me. But then we took it a step further. It was comedy for a cause, raised about $4,000, took that money and fed hundreds of homeless people in Fort Worth gave out supplies and and did all kinds of stuff with the money and and uh, man it was it was it was it just kept giving it was just a great event and i think people were happy and looking forward to the next one well and i mean the giving piece is so huge and especially like i mean i hope people are listening to this like you know fairly soon to when we record but it's the holidays right now and so i think giving is something that we should all be thinking a little bit more of but a lot of these events that we're doing and a lot of these things that we're doing, they have a way that you, that could benefit, you know, the community. And so to think about like, what is your next event? Is there a community aspect involved? And if there's not try to add one, it's not, it's not always that difficult. I mean, like some of the events that we throw that are usually free, let's throw, let's charge 10 bucks. People are still going to come if it's good content and we can give that money to a great, a great local cause. People support people who support their communities. And I, I love that idea. So John, I know aside from, Aside from being funny, being a great lender and being out there in your community, you're also pretty passionate about coaching and about sports. So yeah. walk us. I know you have a little bit of a shoe addiction. You have a little bit of a basketball thing. Your family's athletic. Walk us through kind of the convergence of the other passion you have, which is, you know, basketball and, um, and real estate. Like walk us through that. Yeah. Um, so basketball. And again, this is this is one of the things that helps lead to business because I can I can probably think of ten relationships that I've gained through through uh, youth athletics. So I've got a son that is getting ready to be twenty. He's a sophomore in college. Uh, he plays basketball in college. I've got a son who's thirteen uh, in the eighth grade. He's a basketball player. So I spend a lot of time, and we're not playing YMCA basketball, right? I mean, this is high level travel basketball on the road all throughout the spring and summer um, and uh, and having to do that with two sons and the practices and the trainings. You know, last night it was, you know, my son, the 13 year old at a training uh, with a coach with only four other kids. Right. So there's a specialized training tonight. I'll probably have to jump in with him and work one rebounding with him. And so, you know, you find passion in that, but also um, you know, I've helped so many parents with their mortgage needs, right? Um, I've been able to refer uh, them to realtors. I've got 
I can think of two realtors, just uh, as an example, my oldest son's coach, just observing me taking, because I'm the, I'm the guy who takes, um, I'm looking around for my bag. I keep a, a book bag with me with my laptop in it. I would go to tournaments and I still do it with my bag. And in between games, I'm working. And a coach saw me doing that. And he goes, I'm going to introduce you to my buddy. He's a broker. And to this day, Steve and I still do business. Um, Reed, who's a broker. I met him. He saw me working. I didn't know he was a part-time referee. This is in 2017. He saw me and called me back. He goes, dude, you're the kind of guy I want my people to work with because I see your work ethic. These are just things that I do. But but so that's a lot of fun. And and of course, like you mentioned, collecting sneakers is uh is something that I, I really love and display. I have all my shoes displayed at home and it's pretty cool. You know? When it's one more, it adds one more dimension to, to who you are, right? Yeah. So on the basketball side, on the sports side, you know, a lot of people out there listening have kids or have a spouse that's involved in some type of activity to simply show up to the different events. Number one, you get to meet people. Number two, make sure they just know that you, what you do for a living. You don't need to talk about it all the time, but bringing your laptop out every now and then when it's appropriate and making sure you have, you know, your little realtor pin on or something, have something so that when they come to talk to you, they kind of know what you do. So many times at these events, like another parent just wants someone to talk to you because they might be bored at a practice or bored before or after the game. And if they see something on you, that's a reason to chat. That's, that's a new, that's a new relationship. Um, I talk to realtors all the time who tell me that they get most of their business by being an active parent and showing up for their kids' school events. Right. Shocking, right? Like being a good parent intersects with being a great realtor, but it happens. It happens. And I would tell you guys, like, talk loud. See, a lot of times people will get that phone call, right? And we'll be like, oh, I got, let me step away. I don't step away. <laughs> I'm going to sit there in the, in, in the stands and have that conversation and um and someone's gonna every so many people need help with real estate like don't keep it a secret um you know don't be a secret agent don't be a secret agent right i I was at a car wash and it was me and another guy was like it wasn't anybody there but you know uh, someone called me and i started talking and i don't whisper when i talk i talk and as soon as i hung up that call that guy goes, are you a realtor? I said, no, I'm not a realtor. I'm a loan officer. He goes, well, my wife and I are trying to buy a house. Can you help me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't waste a moment. I don't care where I'm at. A car wash, a basketball game, a football. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be working and I'm going to be talking and people will pay attention to that. I love that. You don't have to be the loudest person in the room, but you need to be audible enough for people to know what you do and get some of those keywords in. I absolutely love that. So the last thing I'm going to grill you on for a sec before I I let you go to go close millions of dollars on sales today, in sales today, is you mentioned that salespeople need to figure out who they are as a salesperson. So who are you as a salesperson? And as if you were a new realtor, how, how could they go about figuring that out and then broadcasting it? Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, who I am, I'm a guy who's going to work um, when needed. I consider myself to be on call at all times. Um, I, I'm i a multitasker. I'm not that guy who has to be like, okay, from I'm not going to answer my phone from 9 to 11 and then call back from 
one to three. That's just not my style. My style is if I get a call from a realtor, I know most of the time they're not calling me to see how I'm doing. They're calling me because they need help with the client. So I will answer the phone all the way until nine o'clock at night. And if it's a key partner, I'm going to answer the phone after nine because I know they wouldn't call me if they didn't need me. So my availability is who I am, right? I'm available on Saturdays and Sundays. I'm available on holidays. It doesn't matter for me. I'm always available. And and that's my that's one of the things that I do. I, I don't run from tough deals. And I think uh, realtors in this area know that, right? And so I think you have to define who you are. Uh, whatever awesome. that is, whatever you do well, um, you might be uh, great at FHA, right? You want to, or you may be a VA specialist and you want to market yourself in that way. You want to go after veterans. How do you go deeper, you know, in, in that particular community? Maybe you want to serve uh, teachers. How do you go deep into that community? But whatever it is, you have to just, you know, you gotta, you gotta immerse yourself in it. Well, it's fascinating to me, and you know, we live we live in this world of social media. We live in this world where it's it's not expensive to get the word out there. But if I ask twenty sales professionals what their specialty or their niche is, and then in front of them I pull up their social media, I would have no idea. Right. And so I tell them like, hey, whatever that is, you need to craft at least one thing a week, one thing a month, two things a month, something about you and your profession in relation to your niche. And so this is a challenge for everyone listening right now. When you get out of the car, when you get out of the shower, wherever you're listening to this, think about what your niche, what your passion is inside of your business and Google yourself. Is that readily apparent to people? Other than like having the word first-time homebuyers listed in a blurb of all the types of people that you serve. Um, I think it's a huge, it's a, it's a really impactful activity to do, but I think most of us are going to fail it. So try it out, have some fun, John, your, your advice today, your wisdom, much appreciated. I think a lot of people can learn from your, from your perspective. If, if someone listening is a, is a realtor in the Dallas Fort Worth area, or is a, is needs a referral for a great realtor in the Dallas Fort Worth area, how would they get a hold of you? Um, the easiest way to reach me is applywithjohn.com. Applywithjohn.com is going to take you to all my social media. You can call me from my website. Um, that's the easiest way to get me. And make your, you know, it's a, the website's easy. Who can forget that? Applywithjohn.com. It's very that easy. sounds like a $10 million domain name. So John Muhammad, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I can't wait to see you again in person. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening. And a huge thank you to our sponsors, Neighborhood Loans and Treadstone Mortgage. With offices around the U.S., their loan officers offer a realtor-centric focus, personal communication from real humans, plus on-time closings that frankly are faster than most of the mortgage companies. Want to be connected to a great LO? Message me, your host, for more information, and I will connect you with a loan officer in your neighborhood. Want more marketing tips? Check out my book on Amazon, TAG, The Tangible Action Guide for Real Estate Marketing. And finally... If you want to support the show and hear even better guests, leave us a review on the podcast platform that you listen on.